Hi, I'm Chrissy. I'm Joss. And you're listening to Breaking the Curtain, the podcast where we interview our theater idols and chat all about the history behind your favorite musicals. So sit back, relax, and and enjoy enjoy the episode. episode. Hello and happy belated Valentine's Day to everyone who celebrates. We are celebrating this year by lusting over Stephen Pasquale as Robert Kincaid in the musical that we are breaking down today. You know, damn right we are. Damn right. I think I was like 17 when I saw the Broadway production, and even at that age, I understood the importance of this handsome middle-aged man on stage singing to a gorgeous middle-aged woman about not having to do her household chores and instead stay in bed with him all day. And just, yes, yes. I mean, when it comes to Broadway heartthrobs singing at you to spend the day in bed with them, I mean, Mm. (laughs) come on. Number one, number one. I'm just so glad that we are finally doing a show history about the bridges of Madison County because we have tried many times and never followed through. And here we are. So let's just dive right into 1965, Iowa. Let's discuss the plot first, because believe it or not, the plot is not just Stephen Pasquale and Kelly O'Hara. But we will make it the plot for the majority of this episode. You can't blame us. No, you can't. Francesca Johnson, a beautiful Italian woman who married an American soldier to flee war-ravaged Italy, looks forward to a rare four days alone on her Iowa farm when her family heads to the 1965 State Fair. When ruggedly handsome National Geographic photographer Robert Kincaid pulls into her driveway seeking directions, though, what happens in those four days may very well alter the course of Francesca's life. This is one of my favorite books. Mm. I read it when the musical was in early development. I stole it from my mom's bookshelf because I was so curious. And I may have been too young for parts of it, but I recognized how beautiful and haunting it is. And honestly, writing this script and doing this episode has me thinking it's time for a reread. Honestly, same. I too read the book during the musical's development and they also had like printed bookmarks with the show poster inside it's just it's so so good the bridges of madison county is described as coming out of the blue in the early 90s robert james waller was a business professor on leave from his job at the university of northern iowa when he joined a friend to take photographs he ended up taking a detour photographing some covered bridges in madison county iowa Inspiration struck, and he was reminded of a song he had written years before about a woman named Francesca. Within two weeks, he had completed the manuscript. Following the novel's release in 1992, it received mixed reviews. A lot of critics weren't sold on the love story, finding it sappy or unconvincing. But millions of readers around the world actually loved the novel. People were entranced by the moving story. Bridges quickly became a bestseller, staying on lists for years and eventually outselling Gone with the Wind, which is crazy considering just how popular Gone with the Wind was. Mm -hmm. Something I really enjoyed learning was that following the novel, Waller, who was a guitarist and enjoyed songwriting, recorded an album called The Ballads of Madison County as a concept album for the themes in his book. That is so interesting. I never knew that. I mean, I never really like dug into learning about his life, but... Yeah, I just never came across a concept album before. That's really, really cool. You know, I didn't either, and I was surprised to hear about the album. I did listen Mm -hmm. to it, and it was interesting, but I think it proves how this story has always lent itself to music. Like, the way it's written is very lyrical and like poetry. So 
it really does lend itself to becoming a musical just because of how the prose is written. It makes sense to me. Yeah, it's very lyrical, like you said. I agree. While the film adaptation of the novel was released in 1995, the film rights were actually purchased by Amblin Entertainment in late 1991. So this was before the book had even been published. Of course, the company was founded by Steven Spielberg, who has always had good taste. The film has a screenplay adapted by Richard Legravenese and was produced and directed by Clint Eastwood, who also starred in the film. Now, before we go any further, I have a confession. I've only watched the movie once. <laughs> Clint Eastwood was the right director for the project, but he was the wrong Robert Kincaid for me. That's interesting. I... I don't know what it is, but when I think of the movie version, I always think it was Richard Gere in the role, which of course it <laughs> he isn't. Been good. And it, he would have been good, but to my knowledge, like he has no ties with the film. No. <laughs> I think he would have been great. Uh, however, I do really love Clint in the role, maybe a bit too old, but Meryl also was a good match for his Robert, especially age-wise. I feel like she's so level-headed that it, it worked because he's older. I mean, in the book, they are old. Like, that's the story. It's two yeah. middle-aged people having a passionate affair. You know, even though Clint didn't do it for me, Meryl Streep was absolute perfection as Francesca Johnson. Like, yeah, she's just gorgeous. And she's always been a stunning actress. And yeah, so I kind of like fast forward through his parts just to watch her because she is a marvel in that movie. Who was the husband in that? Like, was... Was it someone well-known? I, I don't remember. Honestly, I can't remember, so yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but he was great, too. I mean, it, it was a good cast, I think. I, I enjoyed it when I would put it on during uh, my time being obsessed with the musical and I'd, I'd have the movie on. <laughs> but no, I, I really did enjoy the cast. And I mean, that that scene where Meryl Streep is in the car and she is clutching the handle because she sees uh, mm -hmm. Robert Kincaid in the car in front of her and she's debating if she should get out and, and run and, and join him. It haunts me. Like, I, I've never witnessed a scene in a movie where I felt panic within my own self watching someone struggle like that with their own decision, with their own fate. I, I, oh, my God. She is a marvel. She's incredible. You know, I'd agree. I'd say that's probably my favorite part of the movie in the sense that in the book, like it's a few pages of like describing what's going on in Francesca's head when she sees him at the stoplight in that other car. And she, you know, realizes how easy it would be to just run to him. And, you know, mm -hmm. that inner conflict, it's a couple pages in the book, but within less than a minute, you see Meryl do all of that on her face and through her body language and oh, just... Yeah. I mean, obviously Meryl Streep is fantastic. We knew this, but she's just such an artist, you know. While we're talking about that scene, I will spoil that it, it is not in the musical adaptation. And I think that was a miss, but I understand. It would have been really hard to do. It would have been work. very hard. Because like very hard. the cars, they didn't even have like cars, cars, you know, like it, it wouldn't have. Not even that, like. It wouldn't have had, like, the power that it does on a stage. It's too intimate to have been done on a stage. It's too intimate. And, you know, if you're sitting in the balcony, you might not see what's going on with her hand. Or she'd have to 
make it a really big thing. And I think what's so good about that moment in the film is that it's so subtle. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as impactful to do it that way. No, exactly. The film's principal photography took 42 days and was filmed on location in Madison County, Iowa. Clint Eastwood actually decided to film the movie chronologically from Francesca's point of view to build the relationship between their characters. The movie actually wrapped 10 days ahead of schedule. By the time the film was released on June 2nd, 1995, 9.5 million copies of the novel had been sold worldwide. The film earned $182 million worldwide and received a glowing critical response. Meryl Streep was nominated for an Academy Award for her portrayal of Francesca Johnson. And again, why didn't she win? That scene alone should have had her in the bag. Now, how did all this turn into a musical? Well, The Bridges of Madison County is written by Marsha Norman and Jason Robert Brown. It all began when Marsha received a call from James Lapine. Robert James Waller's agent had approached James about doing The Bridges of Madison County as a musical. And James passed on the offer to Marsha, who then called Jason Robert Brown. The two had previously worked together when Jason scored Marsha's play Last Dance and another piece called The Trumpet of the Swan. Both voiced wanting to write a full-length musical together someday. Jason was satisfied with the material Marsha originally presented him. However, besides the two main leads, it did not have many other characters to work with. This gave Marsha the perfect opportunity to work with the story. Their agent told them they needed to get Kelly O'Hara, who read the treatment and immediately said, I'm in. Kelly then called Bartlett Shear, who also signed on. This gave the writing duo the opportunity to write for their leading lady, making this process easier to imagine when putting a specific voice to their words. Marsha and Jason collaborated in Los Angeles, writing the show based around just eight people. Marsha had built the treatment knowing they would have only eight people, and it was going to be structured in a certain way to fit an octet theater style. Now, something really interesting that I learned is one of Kelly O'Hara's first auditions was for Kathy in the original production of The Last Five Years. She was actually offered to be the understudy and did not take it, which Jason Robert Brown credits as being wise. And I have to agree because she then went on to do Follies and really worked her way up in that production from ensemble to a leading role. Now, back to Bridges. In December of 2011, it was announced to the public that Kelly O'Hara will star in the Broadway-bound production as Francesca. Over the next two years, Jason Robert Brown would preview the songs Wondering and Another Life from the upcoming musical during his concerts. A reading took place January 17th to 25th, 2013, with an announcement for the Broadway run soon following. The show went on a tryout run at the Williamstown Theatre Festival on August 1st, 2013. The production starred Elena Shadow as Francesca Francesca and Stephen Pasquale as Robert Kincaid. Elena took on the role while Kelly was pregnant with her second child. The cast also included Nick Bailey as Michael, Whitney Basher as Marion slash Chiara, Daniel Jenkins as Bud, Caitlin Kinnanen as Carolyn, Michael X. Martin as Charlie, and Cass Morgan as March. The ensemble included Jennifer Allen, John Paul Allman, Emma Duncan, Laura Shoup, and Tim Wright. The Bridges of Madison County underwent a crucial phase of development, and a total of around 10 minutes was cut from the upcoming Broadway run. It's noted that audiences were incredibly moved by this piece of theater. The musical began previews on Broadway at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater on January 17, 2014, and officially opened on February 20, 2014. The original Broadway cast featured Pasquale, Basher, Martin, Marinkovich, Morgan, Allen, and Kinnanen reprising their roles. 
joining the Broadway production were Kelly O'Hara as Francesca, Hunter Foster as Bud, and Derek Kalena as Michael. Which, we need to discuss the rise of Derek Kalena on Broadway because, holy cow, he has become, like, the Zac Efron <laughs> of musical theater. <laughs> and 2013 to 2014 was truly his year of making a splash. It would take a whole episode to discuss just how smart he has been within building his career. I'd say for sure he and Aaron Tveit are like the Broadway dudes under 50. Also, I had I was going to say the Broadway dudes under 40. And this is the episode that I <laughs> discovered Aaron Tveit is now 40. And truly, I need to go lay down for a little while after we finish recording that, just knowing that knowledge now. Honestly, I like to pretend that he's not 40. I like to pretend that I don't know, because when I was younger, I thought I would marry him and the age difference didn't seem so big. But now he's 40 and I'm like, wow, I was truly Delulu. In my mind, he is my age. Me too. Like, <laughs> that's why I was like, wait, am I 40 now? No. In my mind, he's my age and we're going to get married. He he also just <laughs> has not changed his look since like next to normal. Like he kind of looks the same. And he looks so good. Like he doesn't look like it's been how many years since next to normal. We're exactly. not going to talk about how many years it has been because that will age me and I'm not OK with that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Broadway under 50 because I had to push 10 years off of Aaron's date to say <laughs> that Derek Klena and Aaron are like the Broadway dudes under 50. So that oh works. Lord. <laughs> I need a drink. Rounding out the ensemble was Effie Artema, Katie Klaus, Aaron Ramy, Dan Sharkey, Tim Wright, Jessica Vosk, Charlie Franklin, and Kevin Kern. Although mixed, the reviews were fairly good, crediting the work of Jason's score and Marsha's ability to bring the novel to stage. Many also praised Kelly and Stephen's incredible performances. However, many reviewers did mention that the show felt quite long, and I would have to agree with them. Mm-hmm. Me too. The Bridges of Madison County closed on May 18th, 2014, after 37 previews and 100 regular performances. The decision to close the show was influenced by finances in the long run of operating a show that was not selling well and faced challenges in attracting a broad audience. The Bridges of Madison County received several nominations for the 2014 Tony Awards and won two awards for Best Orchestration and Best Score. Kelly O'Hara received a nomination for Best Actress in a Musical. Fans on social media were fuming over the Tony snub for Stephen Pasquale, who did not receive a nomination for his role as Robert. Jason Robert Brown referenced in his speech his hope for the women who worked on the show to be better represented in future award seasons. Amen. You know, amen, Jason Robert Brown. Amen, Thank you. Jason Robert Brown. Um, yeah, I was like the leader of the um, fuming on social media for the Tony snub for Stephen Pasquale. I'm still fuming. Whenever I listen to It All Fades Away, I like get this little spark of hatred for the 2014 <laughs> Tony Awards. You That'll know, never I, go away. I genuinely always forget that he wasn't nominated because in my mind, it, he just should have been. You know what I mean? Like, I forget that he yeah. wasn't nominated because he should have been nominated. Not me, because I'm still mad. <laughs> Speaking of what should have happened, this should have been Kelly O'Hara's Tony Award. You know, like when I look at her career and all the amazing and wonderful things she's done and all of her Tony nominations, I'm like, Francesca Johnson should have been Kelly O'Hara's Tony. That was honestly like just masterful work. Yeah, like I. I really hoped it would be her year 
for Bridges. I, I really did feel that Francesca was her Tony Award winning role even mm-hmm. more than The King and I, which she won, I think, the next year. Yeah, the next the yeah. next year they made it right by giving her a Tony for The King exactly. and I, which she was truly fantastic in. But when you look at Francesca. Yeah. But then I also feel that Jesse Mueller as Carol King was the right win at the same time. I don't know. Oh, is there 100%. Ever a like, right win? You know what I mean? But I, I feel like she just mastered Carol King so well. Honestly, I think they should have just tied. They could have both gotten a Tony for it mm. and done a joint speech and it would have been fine. And <laughs> this is why I'm not on any award show voting committees because I would be like, give everyone a Tony award. They can all share. They can share. They can share one. <laughs> it's Sisterhood of the Traveling Tony Award. There you go. I like that. I think they'd all be in favor of that. You know, the Tonys are about celebrating the best and the brightest on Broadway. Mm. And I think that so many times people get overlooked or like when one person wins, there are people who are doing work that's just as good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, everybody should get a participation trophy just for being on Broadway and doing the thing. I I really did hope that this show would receive a best musical nomination. I agree. The entire show is a true masterpiece and it really would have been nice to see that reflected at the Tony Awards. The original Broadway cast recording released digitally in April 2014 before a physical release in May 2014 on the Ghost Light label. And a touring production launched on November 28, 2015 in Des Moines, Iowa, starring Elizabeth Stanley as Francesca and Andrew Simonski as Robert, along with Cullen R. Titmus as Bud, Mary Callanan as Marge, David Hess as Charlie, Dave Thomas Brown as Michael, Caitlin Houlihan as Carolyn, and Katie Claus returning as Marion, Chiara, and State Fair Singer. The tour played 18 cities before concluding in July 2016. And I was so mad that that tour did not come to Toronto. I wasn't surprised. I was surprised it, it had a tour to begin with, which I feel bad saying. Like ticket sales just weren't there. And I was surprised that it, they would take it on a tour. Yeah, it's true. I think that the, just with the age of the Toronto crowds, especially at that time, it would have actually sold well here. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah, I was totally bummed because not only do I love Bridges, I was a Dave Thomas Brown fangirl because of Heathers. So like, I was hoping. The UK premiere of The Bridges of Madison County was mounted in 2019 as the Menier Chocolate Factory with new staging by Trevor Nunn. The production starred Jenna Russell as Francesca and Ed Baker Dooley as Robert, Georgia Brown as Kiara Ginny State Fair Singer, Madison Boyman as Carolyn, Shanae Holmes as Marion, Jillian Kirkpatrick, Paul F. Monaghan, David Perkins, and Dale Rapley as Bud. The production began in previews from July 13th before July 23rd opening and ran until September 14th, 2019. I knew this happened, but now I need to go watch like footage or find photos because I cannot for the fucking life of me. <laughs> Picture the Bridges of Madison County staged by Trevor Nunn. I just can't remember it going to the UK. And I just, I feel like it's so American. I couldn't, I don't, I'm surprised. But like Trevor Nunn doing the Bridges of Madison County is so interesting. I just, I'm sure it was great. I'm just curious to see what the staging looked like. Me too. In 2019, that was recent. Like that was pre-pandemic. Why did I forget about this? It just, it wasn't that big, right? You know what I mean? No offense. Oh. Yeah, that it didn't run icky, very long. It wasn't like um, a West End run, you know? Mm-hmm. It never transferred. It didn't run very long. No. And I don't imagine that it would have even had an option to transfer because it just, 
I yeah, I, I feel like American stories either do really, really well in the West End mm-hmm. or really, really bad in the West End. And I feel like on, this like, is one of them that probably wouldn't do very well in the West End beyond mm. the um, the British audiences possibly loving the score, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Which brings me right to this. We need to talk about the score because Amen. this is one of the absolute best scores of all time, in my opinion. My personal favorite song is Who We Are and Who We Want to Be. And of course, It All Fades Away, which I think is one of the best musical theater songs ever written. I could genuinely talk about this song all day. It is so well-crafted. And when sung right, it just, it soars to a new level of songwriting mastery. Like, yes, Stephen, Stephen is incredible singing it. And a big part of it is that. But like Jason Robert Brown writing this and the way he scored it is just, whew, it's crazy. It truly is one of the best complete scores of a musical to come out of the last 20 years. I and I'm agree. not gonna I'm not gonna say that as like that's my opinion. It's fact. <laughs> yes. Start to finish, it's atmospheric and almost like film-like, just how deep the score and the orchestrations are, and it sweeps you away from the very first note. I said earlier that the book lends itself to music, just the way that the writing is paced and certain word choices. And Jason Robert Brown has taken this story and transformed it so beautifully. Like there are literal lines in the book that are lyrics in the musical. Like uh, Wondren has a lot of chunks that are like direct book quotes. And it blows my freaking mind every time because it's just it fits so perfectly there really aren't words to describe it but I will say that Bridges is one of the few cast recordings that when I listen to it I need to sit down and listen to the whole thing from start to finish it's incredible music and just the entire arc of that two hours of music is indescribable the journey it takes you on and that's the music alone then you add in like Kelly O'Hara and Steve Pasquale it's sublime it's two of the best voices on Broadway just melding together and making something so perfect oh it's I'm getting chills just talking about it there really isn't any cast recording of the last like like you said like 15 10 years besides Bridges, that I can put on and just listen through the entirety of it. And that's why I think it was so justified in its win for best score, because it truly is a score. It's not just, like, you know, it is, it's a complete piece. It's a tapestry, the music, and you can't take one song without the other. And it's so hard for me to say, oh, this is my favorite Bridges song, because they're all so well-crafted. They're all at the same level. However, when Steve Pasquale is singing a cappella for the first part of One Second and a Million Miles, Ugh. I like I can't breathe. Like I stop breathing because it's a cappella and it's so quiet. And then it gets louder so that I'm asking you, Francesca, come with me. He does it better than me. But the way that he sings that and he crescendos and then the music comes in underneath and then the driving piano starts like, holy shit. Like there's yeah. nothing like it. But also, don't forget that before and after you is what literally leads into it. Like, on stage, mm-hmm. there's no cut. Yeah, there's Obviously, no scene, on the cast no recording, they made two tracks. But, like, in the scene, when it's played out with her singing and then it goes into him singing a cappella. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, it's sick. They're sick for that. 
It's they're, so they're hot. crazy. They're crazy. Jason Robert Brown just he was like, okay, if I'm writing Bridges of Madison County, I'm gonna make the best freaking musical score y'all have seen in your entire life and succeeded. I am going to make the audience throw up when they hear this score. And that is what I did. Not even just like a live audience. Like he said, people listening at home are gonna listen to this and ball their freaking eyes out. And we did, Jason. And Robert I still Brown. do. I still do. Obviously, I mentioned it before. I saw the show on Broadway right before it closed, like the day before or closing day. I don't remember, but I think it was the day before. And it is still a piece of theater that I often reflect upon. I don't know if it's because it had such a short run that it makes you grow fonder of the piece because you're like, well, what if it did run longer? Would it still have that same, you know, like oomph magic? But it was truly, it was such a magical night at the theater. And I do agree with the reviewers who said that it felt long like I probably would have cut most of the neighbor scenes and really focused on Francesca and Robert's story mm -hmm. although although the show did do a great job of that as a whole I don't know the vibe was just like slightly dragging and it was still very enjoyable storytelling and had I been like the older audience demographic in the theater, I might have enjoyed the comedic refresher more than I had within that moment of being like 17 and wanting like the couple. I do remember walking out of the show and while I was like mesmerized by how beautiful the score and acting was, I remember thinking, okay, I kind of can understand why this is closing so soon with how much the show like dragged a little bit in between and how Broadway audiences often or at least back then really liked those faster paced shows. I always thought it would have been really cool if it were literally a two person show, if it was just Robert and Francesca and that was it. Yeah, but I don't think it could have worked because you really do need to see the side of Bud, her husband and her two kids to really understand why she could not leave because we get to see her daughter grow up and get married and all of these things that she would have missed out on had she left with Robert that night. You know, it that is, that is true. And like, I like what they did with it. But I always thought it would have been a very interesting way to tell the story if it had been just the two of them on stage, very minimal set. Sure. And like, I think that would have been a very cool, like, lens on it. And it would have made it shorter, too. But that's just that's just me. Like, if somebody were like, Jocelyn, here's the bridges of Madison County. What are you going to do with it? I would want to play with it that way. Yeah. Um, no, like, I get it. Um, and I do agree to some degree. I think I just would have cut the neighbors, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Like, that would be my main cut, would be the neighbors <laughs> yeah. and a couple of the things. Like, Cause we don't need a whole them, song about the state fair. We don't. No, but... Is it a bop? Yes. But did we need it? No, absolutely not. I I do agree. But then at the <laughs> same time, look, I saw the show live. So I'm coming at that perspective of how it felt watching it. And while it was like a palate cleanser, I could also see the vision of how it goes from the state fair and they're doing the whoa. And then it goes to Kelly doing the I won't mimic what she's doing because she's <laughs> fucking Kelly <great>. O'Hara <laughs> <laughs> but she's doing like the uh, on, up the octave version come of on and it's I mimic Steve Pasquale it's your turn mimic 
Kelly I O'Hara. actually can't remember what like how it sounds that way. It's like <laughs> you know what I mean? But like very operatic and it's beautiful. Um that being said, you get to see the scene switch from them doing that, and then you are in Kelly O'Hara's bedroom, Francesca's bedroom, and she is laying in bed with Robert while her kids mm. and husband are at the fair. So I really do That's the dream. It's a great scene. It's a great <laughs> visual of like what's going on in these two worlds that are still her world. I don't know. I think it's a genius moment. I like it. And I do love that moment. I like the idea of the worlds colliding. But if we're talking about making like if we're talking about making the show shorter. Yeah, no, I get it. But like if you're looking at it as more than just a song, if that makes sense, like you're you're seeing that whole vision. I would have cut a majority of the song. Um even though it is quite short, but I just I do love that moment of having the two different tones of the O's. I yeah, the transition at incredible. the end is the best part. It's so smart. It's so smart. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would have cut Marion, but I will get there in a minute. I will talk to you about Marion. I'm like, I'm torn right down the middle about Marion. Yeah. So we'll get there in a minute. Let's. Uh, I love her. We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But yeah, to me, this is one of those shows that I don't think could ever be revived on Broadway. It's stuck in a time where for those of us who were old enough to experience and remember those days of Broadway like 10, 12 years ago before the massive social media boom took over, you also just can't replicate a cast like this anymore. No. You just cannot do better than Kelly O'Hara and Stephen Pasquale leading this show. Amen. I was trying to remember. I I don't remember if they used an LED background. I don't think so. I think I'm the was, wrong person to ask. I think it was a painted backdrop, but that set was so incredibly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And if it was LED, it would have probably been my first time seeing an LED screen in a Broadway show. But I am fairly sure that those were hand painted backdrops, mm-hmm. which is also a rarity on Broadway these days. And if it was revived, that would absolutely be an LED screen today. <laughs> and I think that's Honest- so sad. Let's bring back real backgrounds. Like, there's a time and a place for an LED yeah. background, and there's cool stuff to do. But in some shows, it's kind of like, it's too much. It's distracting. Make it stop. I think we have to touch further on casting. I know that we've kind of hit this in the head a million bajillion times. But there's no one more perfect than Kelly and Steve in this. Mm-hmm. I call them Kelly and Steve like they're my best friends because... Parents are parents. They're my parents. They're my Broadway parents. Yeah. Everyone else was perfectly cast, but the chemistry between those two, huh, oh my God. Like they were just so good together. They're both Broadway Olympians and just matched each other step by step through this, through all of this. And I think with Robert and Francesca, you do need two people who are equals because for the first yes. time in their lives, they're meeting someone who is their equal. So having these two powerhouse performers in those roles, it's electric, man. And you hear it on the album and you just, oh, oh. it's just, it's so interesting What that you called them like meeting each other's equals because, well, they I do are. agree. I do agree. But I also really enjoy how different they are. Yeah, they're different on the outside, but they're twin flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. 
I think that's something that really resonates in the book is that their souls match and they have these like Francesca has the same wild dreams that Robert yeah. does about traveling and seeing the world and and Bud's like let's go bring the steer to the state fair this yeah, weekend. And, and you know she would have left with him to fulfill those dreams had her children not given her other dreams. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote actually from the book. It's one of my favorite book quotes ever is that the old dreams were good dreams. Mm. but they didn't happen or something like that but like there's something a reason like why that, they're yeah. old the old dreams were good dreams but like they're not the new dreams and so he shares all of she meets this man who shares all of her passions but there's a still a part of her that he doesn't share and what i love about robert Kincaid is the fact that he respects her decision you know he doesn't beg her he isn't whiny he isn't pushy he's like run away with me and love me and all this sort of stuff. And she says, I can't leave my kids and my family. And he says, okay. And he respects her wishes. He leaves her alone. Yes. Green flag. (laughs) Green flag. I think it's just so devastating that he does that. And Mm -hmm. all these years they wonder about each other, right? And they're on each other's mind. And the only time in those years that she hears from him is to be told that he's passed and he's left her some Mm -hmm. of his things. And I just think that is. It's one of the best endings of a Broadway show I've ever seen. Yeah. It's beautifully done. I remember in that moment, too, Kelly O'Hara, she she walked in through the audience and she was standing right behind me because I had standing room. And oh I God. literally was going to, like, pee myself. I was so excited. And then I was like, Chrissy, you can't say hi to her. She's, she's working. So I just stayed so focused on the stage, but I could feel her right behind me. I would have had to, like, sit on my hands because oh my, my first God. impulse would have been like, oh, my God, Kelly O'Hara. So she walks <laughs> up on the stage and she goes into um, Always Better. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, my good God. And, like, and when then- he puts his big old arms around her. It sort of signifies, I suppose that's the right word, that she she passes on as well. um, And they reunite in heaven. And I think that's the best ending that they could have chosen for this. I think it's it's very well done. I won't lie. The first time I experienced that ending, I literally cried Mm. so hard. My stomach hurt and I thought I was going to throw up. I think she gives like that little like Eliza Hamilton gasp. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Oh, my good God. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. And what I love about Bridges, because this is technically a Valentine's Day episode. So I'm going to talk about the love story because go ahead. It really kind of encapsulates my belief in love and in soulmates. And sometimes that belief is that you don't get your soulmate forever. In Bridges, they have their soulmates, they have their soulmates for four days, and that's enough to have had that love and to have experienced it, you know? And it's not that Francesca's without love. There are so many other forms of love in her life to satisfy her. It's the, tr- the belief that our soulmates are out there, just maybe not in the way we think. We don't have forever with them, but they are out there. And I just think it's such a beautiful story about how two complete strangers can impact each other's entire lives over the course of four days. Again, praise to Jason Robert Brown, because he managed to write just about everything you said, everything you feel into that last song. It's just... In It All Fades Away? No, in Always Better. Oh, yeah. But it all fades... Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of, you know, 
he's singing about all the things he's done. And he's like, the only thing that matters was those four days in your arms. Mm-hmm. Whereas she she is singing of things she could have been doing instead of meeting him. But had she not, had yeah. she not met him and then lost him, you know, she wouldn't be who she is today. Yeah, and it- And she still got to share that love with someone, even if it wasn't forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's perfect. the idea of it's better to have loved and lost than yep. to have never loved Not at all. experienced. Yeah. I'm going to cry. This is too much. I need to go, like, <laughs> lay the fuck down. Oh, my good God. <laughs> yeah, I need to, like, do something. Back to the cast, because that's what <laughs> we were talking about. <laughs> I really do think this cast was as close as perfect as casting goes. I mean... Mm, maybe not Derek in the sense that he would have been like 21, 22 at the time and just didn't look 16 despite giving a really great acting job playing 16. <laughs> this comes back around to what we were talking about earlier. People do not talk enough about Whitney Basher in this musical. Mm-hmm. The Marion role kind of comes out of nowhere, but her song tells us so much about Robert and it's a very powerful moment within the show because I mean like I said you're getting all of this information about who Robert is through this song and while Marion as like a whole doesn't really matter to like the entirety of the plot what she is telling us about Robert is what we need to know about him and she does it so beautifully it's just it's so well done and I have to say Another Life is also just like a really great audition song Oh, amen. It's a beautiful song in the sense that, like, it's a standalone song. Like, you can take it out of the context of the musical, or you can also have it in the context of the show. And it's beautiful because it really does work both ways. And, yeah, Whitney Basher is truly, like, she does such a beautiful job with it. I think Mm. Kelly also recorded it for one of her solo albums, and that version is stunning, too. So before we wrap up, I have one last thing to mention because this is literally my favorite thing about the musical. They had Kelly and Steve record Bridges as an audiobook. It's literally available to buy online and it is gorgeous. To hear it read and acted by them, it really kind of elevates the experience of a normal audiobook. Mm. And I can't think of a musical that's done anything similar with like the text it was adapted from. I mean, I think Jodie Comer is going to do one of the novelization of Prima Facie, but even then, this is so, so different. And it's truly fantastic. I love listening to it on the train. I listen to it when I can't fall asleep at night. (laughs) You know, it's weird to say, but like Kelly O'Hara's speaking voice is as soothing and beautiful as her singing voice. Mm. And so like when I can't sleep at night, I put on that audiobook and I let them read me to sleep. I am very much hoping that the Notebook cast does that or something similar. Ooh, like an that audiobook. That could be really cool. Yeah. That would be, really be cool. That would be very cool. I, I would listen see to them that. doing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Outsiders might also be interesting, but there's so many of them. Maybe, but I think like the love story type of thing, they like to do those yeah you know and with bridges it really worked because half like the book it like alternates chapters between whose point of view it is so it worked Mm. to kind of have it as a two-hander definitely i don't know if the notebook is like that i don't know anything about it i don't remember i read it so many years ago i don't remember but i think it could be a cool thing to do i think it would be cool and i think people would pay for it you know i would yeah yeah yeah. So that is our episode on the bridges of madison county one of my favorite musicals of all time I'm so happy we did this. I'm so happy. I'm so happy, too. I mean, 
any opportunity for me to talk about Kelly O'Hara and Steve Pasquale, like I'll take. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very sad it had a short run. I remember Jason Robert Brown sitting on the stage at the final show as like the exit music played out and it was just the saddest fucking thing. <laughs> oh that, my god. <laughs> it's so sad to think about. I'm sure there's videos somewhere. Uh go look it up, but man, that's how I feel when I think of the Bridges of Madison County because it makes mm. my heart very sad. I Me love too. it so much. I hope you all had a beautiful Valentine's Day with lots of chocolate and music and love. Yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you ever have a show history request that you would like for us to cover, please do DM us on Instagram at Breaking the Curtain. We are always open for your show history episode requests. Let us know what you want the next deep dive to be on. We have a couple lined up, so stick around. And we'll see you really soon. Bye! Bye.